things, money, clothes, cars, I mean money. Let's take money for instance, all right? A lot of people will complain about, I don't have enough money. I seriously don't have enough money. Every, every payday, it's week to week payday, I don't have enough money. Well guys, uh, I'll give you guys a website, you want to write this down too, uh, globalrichlist.com. I found it earlier this week, it's pretty cool. You go on there and you actually put in your annual income and it tells you exactly what number on the list of the population of the world you are as to according to your income. And so I did some research on it, so let me play around with this. And the lowest I could find, I believe, was 18, if you make 18,000 per year, you're still in the top 10%. I found that America is in the top, like, the average of America is like top 5% of the richest countries in the world. So that's, that's one thing to, to kind of people complain about, but do we really have it that bad? Uh, uh, clothes, clothes. How many of y'all complain about clothes? Like, I don't like my clothes. I wish I could be shopping at the Buckle, but I gotta be shopping at Walmart. And it's like, I mean, I, I wanna go there, uh, I want those clothes, but I gotta have these clothes. And like, I really want my clothes to look cool. And uh, I know, I mean, I do at least. And so a lot of people want, like, nice clothes. Uh, food, how many of y'all ever taken something back at the restaurant? Like, seriously, how many of y'all like, yeah. You're like, I don't like this, it's like not cooked right, this is not what I ordered and you give it back, or you go to a buffet, you're like, man, I didn't like this, or just throw it away. How many of you guys complain about food? Food? Uh, cars, cars, oh. I have a buddy of mine that he bought a new truck this week because his old truck had smoke coming out of the tailpipe. I'm like, dude, it's a diesel. Like, it has smoke coming out of the tailpipe. He's like, well, no, he said, a lot of us complain about cars. Uh, you know, I need a new car because mine's, you know, three years old. I need a new car because mine has a scratch. Mine had a flat last week. I can't trust it anymore. You know, I need a new car. I mean, my, my car, I'm teaching you a new word. My car is ghetto. Y'all know that word, ghetto? My car is, is not cool. I need a new car. I mean, someone call exhibit. I want to pit my ride. I mean, like, seriously, we need new cars, right? We all complain about cars. Uh, but, like, if you even have, how many of y'all drove to church this week? How many of y'all drove to church today? I mean, I'm pretty sure none of y'all walked. But if you drove the church today, if you own a car, you're actually in the top 8.5% of the world who has a car. So that's like, what, 91.5% of the world that doesn't have cars? So how bad do we really have it, guys? I mean, how, seriously, how bad, here in America, how bad do we really have it? I don't think we really have it that bad. If you sit back, you're in a nice room, you're worshiping God with no fear of coming to church, and someone who doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in Christianity, trying to get you, take you out. So you can come to church, you can worship freely. We are so blessed to have what we have here in America. Amen? That's an amen. Amen. But seriously, if there was one person who had to complain, if I can think all throughout history, I can think about the one person who had a reason to complain. A lot of us have legitimate complaints, sick, illness, you know, we're hurting. But the person who had the most legitimate reason to complain, I, I can't think of anyone else but Jesus. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He was born of the virgin. He was sinless. He was without sin. That means he was perfect. And this guy never did a crime. He never even stole a cookie from the cookie jar. I mean, this guy was perfect. He was tempted by the devil in the desert for 40 days, and he withstood the whole 40 days. He fasted, he prayed perfect guy. I mean, this guy was perfect. I would not want to go fishing with Jesus because he would always catch the biggest fish. 
You know what I'm saying? So this guy, Jesus, was perfect. And yet he came to earth and he died for you and me. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, If you would, open your Bibles, please, to Isaiah 53, verse 5. It's right next to verse 54. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was punished. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. Now, the word iniquities basically translates to sin. By our sin, by our bad nature, we are healed. What exactly does that mean? Uh, When it says he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our, our iniquities, our sins... What exactly does that mean? And today, I want to talk about crucifixion and really get into detail. Because a lot of times we come to church and we hear the crucifixion sermon on like on Easter's. And we hear about what happened, but we really don't go into detail about exactly what happened on the cross that day. A lot of stuff was going on, guys. A lot of stuff was going on. Um, if you're taking notes, um, write this down. Crucifixion is a horrific way to die. It is horrific. It's a terrible way to die. And there's three things about crucifixion I want to bring to light. Three things. Just three things. That's the Baptist in me. Three points. Uh, We're going to do this. First thing. It was meant to be a slow, painful, gruesome death. Crucifixion was supposed to be humiliating at times. All the time. Uh, On the cross... Um, I was watching Passion of the Christ last night, and I just kind of prepared me for the sermon. And I couldn't get over how everybody was making fun of Jesus the whole time. All the, all the Romans, all the, all the Pharisees, everybody was just mocking Jesus and giving him a hard time. Even on the cross, when he was on the cross, there was two uh, criminals that were uh, crucified with Jesus. And they, one of them was, was all for Jesus, and he actually accepted Jesus that day. And the other one was just cursing at him. And it, it talks about he was uh, spitting poison, just venomous words coming out of his mouth. He was insulting Jesus, making fun of Jesus, picking on Jesus. And if I was going to be back, uh, crucified by, with anyone, I, I like to be crucified with Jesus. I mean, just because, like, you know, if it's some of the man, you know, he's like, kind of like your last hope right there. That's kind of who you want to be with. And this guy just, with, with that opportunity, just insults Jesus as Jesus is dying. And I, I just can't go over how humiliating it was. They would crucify these people in public places. They would mock them. Just make fun of them hour after hour until they died. Number two uh, is the way you would be nailed to the cross. You would be nailed. Um, you would get nailed to the cross and you would have these nails. Historians say they're about nine inches long. Up uh, right here. That's fine. And these nails were about nine inches long. These are actually about ten, but I don't think the one extra inch matters. And they would take these nails, and they would, they would nail you in your hand. Now, we always see the Sunday school Jesus with a hole in his hand. But actually, in Greek, the word hand translated is actually like forearm. And so it, it, it kind of makes sense because, honestly, if this nail was to be through your hand, 
it would actually rip your skin from your body weight and you, you would just fall off the cross and then you had to nail you up all over again. And so what they would do is they would take this, everyone hold up your hand, feel around right here in your forearm. You have two bones right here. If you can feel that, I don't know if you can feel that, there's two bones that come up right here. If you're a doctor, you, you're probably laughing at me right now. But there are two bones right here and right in the middle is, is flesh. And so what would happen was they would nail this nail right through here because the bones were stronger to hold up the body. Now, if you were to nail through the hand, we have, like, I think the most amount of bones are in our hand, so that would have crushed his bones. That would have just totally made prophecy lie. So we, they couldn't do it. They had to have pierced through the wrist. It would hold the body up longer. Not only did they pierce through the wrist, they pierced through the feet. They went through the feet, they would cross the feet together, they would pierce through the feet. It was, it was an extremely terrible way to die. The third thing, if we're taking notes, is how you would die. Now basically, when I was growing up in church, I used to think that you would die from a lack of loss of blood. You would lose blood and you die. But as I studied crucifixion, I was li listening to it and, and really listening to sermons about it and reading about it. I learned that crucifixion, you actually die from suffocation. Let me explain. You see, you would, you would be on the cross and you'd be hanging on the cross. And your body weight would slump down because you're so weak and tired. And as your body weight slumps down, it crushes your lungs. It actually closes your, uh, sorry, it closes your air path. It closes your airway to where you can't breathe. And in order to take a breath, in order to take that one breath that you need every, every so often, you have to lift up on your body. Well, the only place you can lift up on is the nails and other, uh, of your hands and feet. So you would have to excruciatingly painful uh, decision every couple of minutes to take a breath. And you would lift up your body to take that breath. And eventually your body is just so weak and so tired, you honestly just can't do it anymore. And so you hang on this cross, and, and, and you get so tired, and you can't, you can't pick yourself up. And that's what Jesus was going through. It took up to two days for people to die on crosses. There's historical documents in it. There were people on crosses up to two days. Imagine day after night after day, hour after hour, minute upon minute, having to take that breath time and time again, where you're in constant pain, where people were mocking you and spitting at you. Time and time again, this is what Jesus had to go through. He lifted himself up to take a breath. And it lasted him, some say, around six hours. But you know what? There's irony in all this. There's irony in the cross. See, the cross is a... The cross is not only a place for death, it's a place for new life. It's a place where, where, where new life comes into order. It is the uh, event that ushers in new life. See, God desires a relationship with us. And back in the day, somebody messed up. Okay? We had a great relationship with God, right? We were in the garden. Adam and Eve were in the garden. Everything's going cool. They're chilling out. They're hanging out with God, walking around. And God says, don't eat from this one tree, Right? And, and so they're like, cool, we got it. Don't eat from that one tree. And so and Eve walking around. And one day Eve is walking around and she sees a snake. And the snake's like, what's up? Come over here. And she's like, what? The snake's talking to me? Let me go check it out. And so she goes over to the snake, right? And the snake's like, Eve, 
if you eat from this tree, you will know just as much as God. And he goes, no, God said not to eat from that tree. And he goes, yeah, don't listen to God. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I know him. And like, seriously. And that's where, you know, Eve took the bite of the fruit. And then Eve, that's where we get the word evil from women. I mean, no, no, I'm just joking. And so Eve took a bite of the apple. It's sin entered the life. And this sin built pretty much in a, a barrier between us and God. God couldn't have that relationship with us because sin was in the way now. And so for years and years and years to um, justify this, not justify, I shouldn't say it, to remove this sin for forgiveness of sin, people had to sacrifice, and, and people would sacrifice lambs all the time. I mean, seriously, if we were still doing that today, we have like no lamb chops. We were sacrificing and sacrificing and sacrificing for the sin of, that we were doing. And God said, this is not going to work. And he promised it way back in the, in the Old Testament that he was going to send a Savior, the ultimate sacrifice. That's where Jesus came in. Y'all please turn to John 3.16. Y'all know this verse. Know it to you. Y'all want to go ahead and repeat this with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his one and only Son himself to die for us on the cross. And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, wow, what a sacrifice, right? God sending his Son to die for us. That, that, that's, it's huge. But there was a problem with that. Jesus was perfect. But in order to destroy sin, you have to literally sacrifice something. And so Jesus went through this whole trial where he was innocent to get sacrificed. When he was on that cross, he became sin, all our sins. Uh, turn to 2 Corinthians 5.21. Read this one with me too, guys. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, the key words in that verse is God made him who had no sin to be sin. To be sin. What does that mean? To be sin, guys, to take the sin of us. Not just you, but everybody. God became all of our sin. God became every lie uh, that we've ever told. God became every impure thought we ever thought. But not only us, and because I'm pretty sure there's no mass murderers in here. I would hope not. If you are, please raise your hand. Uh, that if he was to take away our sin, he took away their sin. So God became every murder, every rape, every nasty, nasty, gruesome thing that has ever been done. Every sin he became on the cross. And God destroyed the, the sin on the cross. That's one thing we, get, we can't forget that, guys. Jesus was not fair, pure, perfect, innocent, sinless, came to earth and got all of our sin, took it, and died for us. That's incredible, people. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. The cross is a head-on collision 
of God's wrath and God's love. God's wrath plus God's love equals cross. And what it is, it's both beautiful and ugly. Because at the same time, when it ushers in new life, it also destroys life. Because the cross was the most horrific way that human beings have ever thought about to kill each other. Now they were sitting around thinking one day, how are we going to kill these criminals? Like, we got to think of a way to really mess them up. Hey, let's crucify them, okay? And so they go ahead and they think about crucifying these uh, criminals. And by the way, that was uh, reserved for the harshest of criminals, was crucifixion. And they thought of this way, and it was horrific. It's terrible. But it's so beautiful at the same time. It's, it's ugly and beautiful. Offers new life. Today, we're going to remember about all that. We're going to take communion because Jesus never complained about it. I'll turn to Matthew 26, verse 26 through 28. Jesus is sitting around at the Last Supper. He's, he's talking to his disciples, and he knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going on. He knew that he was going to die. And he didn't complain. I'm so glad he didn't complain because he could have, Jesus literally could have said this. He could have said, you know what? This ain't going to work for me. Like, seriously? I, I, I can't do this. This isn't going to work. You know, everyone just keep sacrificing lambs, you know. But he didn't. He said, I am the ultimate sacrifice and I must die for y'all, for everybody. He did it without complaining. He said this, because he wants us to remember what he did throughout the years. He said this. But he was pierced. No, sorry. Wrong verse. He's sitting at the Last Supper, and he tells his disciples this. He says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many and for the forgiveness of sins. Guys, what was that last word? Forgiveness of sins. God commands us to remember him and think about what he did. See, that's what we're going to do. We're going to think about exactly what happened on the cross. I talked about all the steps involved in, in crucifixion. I talked about the horrific way of dying. And I just want you guys to think about that. Think about that. Um, we're going to do things differently because, you know, we just like to uh, change it up. But down here, we have communion. And uh, we have bread and wine grape juice. And so on this bread, if you look at it before you, you, you break it, there's stripes in the bread and there's holes in the bread. And the stripes are going to represent all the lashings that Jesus had to take that day for his punishment. And when you eat that bread, you think about that. And then the piercings in the bread are going to represent the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet that he was pierced for us, pierced for our sins. You think about that. And what we're going to do in just a minute, we're going to pray. We're going to get right, you know, our hearts right with God. We're just going to just pray and get ready to receive communion. And uh, as you feel led to, when, we, when you are ready, you just stand up. You come over, and you take this bread, and you break it. Once you've broken the bread, I want you to go ahead 
and take a dip into the wine. And when you lay it on your tongue and you break that bread between your teeth, you think about him on the cross being bruised for you. And when the wine seeps through your tongue and it hits your, your nervous system and you, and you taste that, you think about the blood that was shed that day. Guys, I pray that you just don't do this through emotion. If you don't feel ready, don't do it. I pray that this just be a very real experience for y'all. Um, what we're going to do now, uh, Eddie and Terry, please come up. We're going to go ahead, and if anyone needs prayer, we're going to be here. And we're going to go ahead and dim the lights. And we're going to play a song, a uh, few songs. We're going to play two songs. I'm going to pray. And after that, you're dismissed. There's, uh, that's it. If you feel led to leave, you leave. If you feel led to stay, stay. We'll pray with you. I got all day long. You take as much time as you need here. Guys, just go ahead and pray. Father God, God, today we just we ask that you would just be with us and come into our lives. Pray that you would just allow us to remember you the way that you really were, what really happened that day. God, we pray that you cleanse our hearts and prepare us to receive your body. God, I pray that you would just be with each and every soul in this room tonight. Let's pray, guys. As you guys are are listening to the lyrics of this song, I want you guys to just really pay attention and really reflect on what it's saying. Really reflect on the words and really reflect on what your heart is feeling. Let's go ahead. (sighs) Guys, I am... I'm so happy. Keep the song playing. Keep it playing. Keep it playing. It's okay. I am so happy for what God has done. Guys, God has come to this earth and he has died for you. Not so that you can just live an ordinary life, to live a life filled with him. And he doesn't care what has happened to you. He doesn't care what you do. He doesn't care where you've been. I don't care how dirty you are. He will take you and clean you up. I don't care. He doesn't care. Honestly, God can forgive murderers and rapists. He can forgive liars and gossipers and simple people like you and me. So uh, I know that right now, right now, if, if you haven't really felt it, haven't really got right yet, now's the time. There was two criminals on the cross that day along with Jesus. One rejected Jesus, one accepted Jesus. I ask you this, which one are you? 
Are you going to walk out of this room continually living your life the same? Are you going to not live with the regret that today you made a decision, a legitimate stand, take the first step to knowing Christ? Guys, I ask you just bow your heads, please. Father God, if you are searching this room and you're looking for somebody to knock on the door of their heart, I just pray they will answer that door. Father God, I just pray that if they are looking for you, that they find you, God. God, if you're that person right now, guys, if you're that person and you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say, just say this. I am a sinner and I need you now. Christ, I have done it on my own and it fails and fails and it blows up in my face. I cannot continue to live like this because every day is not fulfilled unless you are in my life. God, I just pray that you would just wash over all of their sins, all of our sins. God, you are the most perfect sacrifice, God, and we come today to worship you. Guys, we're going to play this song loud, and we're going to just worship you today, God. After this, if you feel like you can move, you're dismissed. If you feel like you need prayer, you just stay there. I'll come to you. We'll come to you. But today, today is the day that you make a decision. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.